1: KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX.
3: Yes, folks, welcome. And thank you, Megan. That was a very professional introduction. I'm not worthy. Man, oh, man. <laughs> Uh, We'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly, but if you have any questions or concerns about your outdoors, my goodness gracious, this warm weather is just absolutely unbelievable. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with questions or comments. Boy, you know, the unfortunate thing is we all kind of, even with plant material, we know that every year things are going to be different. There's going to be changes, this and that. Probably most people turned off their irrigation systems. I, you know, I don't have an irrigation system, but I shut off my faucets, outside, outside faucets. You know, and I mean, it is so dry. The plant material, it's going to be. It'd be real interesting to see what happens. But you know, you know, you don't know. But anyway, we get together every Saturday morning. Well, not every Saturday morning. I wasn't here last week to discuss your yard, landscape garden, house plants, potting mixes, how you're going to improve your soil, the best way to do it. Pruning bugs, diseases, planting removal. You can certainly still plant any kind of woody plant material. Yes, trees and shrubs, and also bulbs. You can get those bulbs if you haven't gotten around to it. There's still some available at the uh, garden center, so you can still purchase and plant. And then, uh, but you know, remember my words just open opportunities. After that, it's going to take work on your part, mental and physical both. In this great marathon, all gardening then forget the sprinting you never get you sprint to something you're not going to be happy with it for the you know well I guess you could be happy for <laughs> that fast but anyway this is your show and I certainly appreciate you being here. Thanks to Greg, he's uh, producing, and uh, he has been producing the Garden Hotline for quite a while. He's getting very knowledgeable, and I think he's going to try to overthrow me and take over the Garden Hotline. I'm starting to get that feeling. I'm Mike Miller, and I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. Written five gardening books, two are currently available at various locations, and also I write articles for the Missouri Gardener magazine, so... During the week, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. So you can go to my website, www.mikemillerdesigns.com. homepage email address, and phone numbers right there where I can be reached. And uh, also, I mean, a gift certificate. If you'd like to give a good gardening stroll, no, you want to walk and talk. If you want to give that to somebody, you can just contact me, and I can email you the gift certificate. And a uh, good gardening stroll today is brought to you As always, by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Steps off right now. Boy, morning, those early lights. There was a clock tower. Wow. Rocketing upward. Unique roof line adds to a dramatic setting. White accent lighting. Steps forward from the sidewalk up to entrances into the building. There are at least seven, if not more, huge wreaths four or five feet across with great red bows, and they run along a linear architectural feature that's highlighted by lighting as well. On the west end of the building, the tree trunks are wrapped with blue and or white lights, which play against the building's stonework. Boy, oh, boy. Crows were out. They were flying all over the place in the distance. I couldn't see them, but I could certainly hear them. But there was some kind of flock. I think it was, I'm not sure, but I think it's starlings that do this. They, fl- you know, they fly together in big masses, and they were swirling all over the red tile roof of this building. A light sign over an arched entranceway tells where this is, St. Louis Union Station. And then right across the street, on Market Street, of course, the granite, pink granite stone, creates a rectangular pool where people and sea creatures stand frozen in time. But unfortunately, this time of year, there's no water. So these poor creatures. This is the Aloe Fountain. It's dormant, just like all the surrounding trees and lawn. (sighs) There are a few areas in the park across where the Aloe Fountain is that uh, are lower spots. So this is where all the needles from the bald cypress collect and all the fallen leaves as well. So the sky was starting to get brighter and lighter and everything else. So I thought, well, it must be time to head down to the station. So... Again, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, comments, or concerns about houseplants and the outdoors as well. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller. Sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you have any
3: questions, concerns, or comments about the outdoors, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. First call of the day is going to be someone from Kirkwood. Sarah, how are you today?
0: Just fine, thank you. Great. I have a question about my rose garden. I have 20 rose plants, and each year I have a special way of winterizing and mounding the dirt over the center and everything but i'm like this weather has me confused on do i just need to still wait to some heavy frosts or or what i'm just was wondering what you would have to say what advice you have for me
3: i think you got to wait I mean, if you do it too soon, you're going to cause some major problems. The same with all the pruning, although many people have called into the show and said they've already pruned the roses, they've already done this, they've already done that. But you're better off to wait and let the weather dictate rather than just, you know, sort of like scheduling it and saying, well, I want to get this over with and get it done. So just, you know, just wait. And uh, there's going to be some cold weather coming, I would assume. I don't think we're getting some sort of global warming thing quite yet, but... Uh, Just hold off and just, uh, I mean, get everything ready. It sounds like you've been doing it for a long time. You know how to sequence everything and just hold off. Okay, thank you very much. Yep, good luck with that. And now let's go to uh, Laura. Laura is in Illinois. Hi, Laura.
0: Hi, Mike. I have um, a question also about roses. I'm having problems with the knockouts. Um, In the summer at one point, it looked like something was eating them, and I sprayed something on it. It might have been Japanese beetles at that point. I'm not seeing any insects, but the the rose bushes have that same appearance. Is there anything to put on there at this time of year, or should I just do, like, a dormant oil?
3: Uh, Don't do a dormant oil, because you're going to be pruning your roses soon, I would assume, but uh, this time of year, you could do some major problems just for the winterizing type thing. So dormant oil is going to be when the plants are dormant but coming out of winter time. And insect wise, there's nothing really going to be chewing too much. There's not too many insects out there that are going to that are should be chewing on your foliage if that's what you're speaking of. Now there was yeah,
0: a, and it's it's like they're losing their leaves and it's just
3: well they should be losing their leaves this time of year. I have four knockout roses in pots, basically. I would say close to 80% of the leaves on my roses are yellowish. The only growth okay. that is not yellow is the newest growth and is still producing you know, buds and everything else. So that's you know, they're just headed towards dormancy. Even though the weather is not, let's say, dramatically cold yet, the days are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And so consequently, the roses are just reacting to the shortness of the daylight, basically.
0: Okay, and uh, then you said as far as the dormant oil, that doesn't go on until...
3: Until, I mean, basically, let's say after Valentine's Day, before the, you know, before mid-March or something like that, before the new growth begins. Okay, great. if, if you've had problems with insects, and I'm assuming that's what it is, also look at a type of insecticide. Dormant oils, all they do is suffocate whatever eggs are on the stems of your plant material it doesn't okay. do anything else it doesn't go it doesn't get absorbed in or anything else so it's like suffocation but mm-hmm. there is insecticides you know systemic insecticides that you put on the ground he watered it in it comes up through the the root system the vascular system and then when insects feed on the leaves or whatever it kills them that way that might be a more okay. effective way than using dormant oil Great. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Sure. And again, the dormant oil, you know, they, it has to cover the insects. It just doesn't do anything just to spray it. But if you do, you know, if you think you have egg problems or insects that you can actually see, you can use a summer weight oil, too, during the summertime. But just to sp- again, just to spray without getting in contact with the insects, it's not doing all that much good. So thanks, Laura. And now let's go to Chuck. And he's in Shiloh, Illinois. Hi, Chuck.
4: Hey, good morning, Mike. I got a question about an azalea I've had planted now for about five years, um, kind of in the shade, not necessarily the best spot for it, but uh, it's, it's surviving. It just finished a full flowering. <laughs> I mean, like a spring, what the heck is going on?
3: <laughs> it's called, uh, you know, it, those quirky type things happen. So it got really cool. Remember, um, you know, I guess it was in early November or so when the temperatures got down in the 20s for a couple nights, the plants just kind of freaked out, and then it warmed back up. So the azalea, they don't know. They don't have a calendar look at or anything else. So I just thought, well, okay, winter's over. Now it's time to bloom. So the unfortunate thing is that it's not going to be able to set flower buds for next spring, so you're not going to get any flowers at all for next spring.
4: Wow. Okay, yeah, because it is. Yeah, you're right. It, it was right around the cold snap, and it just it yeah, it was just like it was spring.
3: Right. Exactly. So the the plant material, you know, azaleas are a little bit, you know, they're a little bit iffy when it comes to that type of thing. Usually, I mean, forsythia, you know, the deciduous yellow flowering shrub in the springtime, I've seen a few forsythia, not the entire thing in bloom, but I've seen buds coming out and opening up with that. So it's just the plant material is, getting, is just getting tricked by, you know, our weather circumstance.
4: Got it. Okay. And uh, a couple of years ago, Mike, you... You recommended to me to use uh, for for Bermuda grass, L- Ultra Ester, and you know, I mean, it's dangerous stuff. But right, um, I got one of those yards that has uh, the I, it was inherited Bermuda grass from wherever, and it, like you say, you never really be able to kill it. But that Ultra Ester, uh, even though it has to be applied when the Bermudagrass is is growing, right? Um, we we kind of dilute the recommended mixture because. We found that if we follow the label directly in the summertime, it's it's not only going to kill the Bermuda, but it's going to stress the fescue out, obviously. So that stuff works, but if folks are going to use it next, next spring and summer, they, they just got to dilute it down a little bit.
3: I agree. And that's kind of with anything, and especially with any kind of chemical you've never used before. I always recommend you know reading the label and following those rates but it's always better to kind of start off with less than what is recommended and just see what the reaction is in your individual situation because just like we were talking about in your yard you you don't know the exposure and everything else the soil types you know triggered some things that happen with your azalea it could trigger you know lots of different other things That would not be the same thing that maybe a half a mile away, quarter a mile away, one block away that would be happening. So it's always better to kind of tweak things until you become real familiar with the product.
4: Got it. Yes, sir. So thank you, Mike. Thanks for being on my show.
3: (laughs) Well, thanks for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. Well, let's don't take a break yet. Let's keep going. Kermit in St. Charles. Hi, Kermit.
0: Hi. Hi. Uh, I got a garden out uh, uh, here in the backyard, and I got a problem with the uh, real fine hair roots growing at the top of it. It just keeps coming back.
3: What kind of what kind of roots?
0: The real fine, like look like hair roots. It just, but I tell you what, I got I got a pine tree, about forty or fifty foot high, and I got a another tree on the right there, a uh, little hackenberry tree, and uh, I got of think it's come. I watered it. I watered. A, uh and, and, uh and when I get done watering when you a couple days later you see you have roots in there, you go digging in there and the giant hair roots come through here.
3: Yeah, you're exactly right. So the tree's root system is gonna go beyond how far the branches extend on the tree. So they go about 10% beyond that, and that's where all the feeder roots are. So that's where most of the root hairs are, are at the end of the branches. So that's where the nutrients and moisture, and then you've created this garden, and the trees are smart enough to know, wow, this is a great place. So they're probably sending extra roots you know, into that area because it's easy growth. They're not having to struggle along like in heavy-duty clays or something like that. And there's really uh-huh. not too much you can do.
0: But there ain't. I, I thought maybe if I'd get some mulch. Malk- uh, get, get a lot of mulch and uh, regular, regular mulch for a garden and uh, put a little top of that, and maybe
3: they won't come back so fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you're just, you know, if you do that, if you put too much, if you put enough mulch to, let's say, stymie the growth of the root hairs, it's going to be too much mulch to be able to grow anything else. Now, what you oh. can do is, you know, build a raised bed with like, you know, composite wood, which is a sawdust, plastic mixture, or stones or whatever, and then backfill that with like a compost topsoil mix, and then that's one way to sort of stymie the root system, you know, root hair growth. But still, ultimately, they're going to, you know, kind of slowly but surely move into that area as well.
0: Okay, th- well, what kind of topsoil do you recommend for a garden?
3: Uh, basically, just a topsoil compost mix. So, make sure that you get a blend of, you know, compost with a topsoil.
0: Okay. But uh, but, uh, that crazy roots will come right back out there. I I, I even dug a trench around it, you know, dug down into the clay dirt. Oh, yeah. I can hit all kinds of roots all the way around. Oh,
3: absolutely. And, you know, I mean, that's really an, an indication. Do you have another place to move your garden that's away from these trees?
0: No, I could, I guess, in my yard, but I, I don't know if I want to mess with my yard too much.
3: <laughs> but I, I, I mean, you're de- de- you're dealing with these tre- and these trees are brutes. Look how big they are and everything else. So they are, you know, and people go out there and they'll start chopping off roots and everything else, and they start damaging their trees. So it is, you know, it's kind of a nasty combination of trying to do too many things in one location. Oh,
0: okay, I, okay, thanks. I was just, I thought that was the of them trees. I wasn't sure. Right. Uh, but I, I might just give me some topsoil and maybe
4: try to stay above it if I
3: can. Yeah. Yeah. You know, put some. You know, build it up a you know a foot or so, and then backfill it with you know topsoil compost mix, and then you know. Just what go what do you that. ask
0: for? What do you ask for at the place you buy it?
3: Well, you, know? you can go. Just ask for a blend of topsoil and compost. They okay. have blends. St. Louis Composting has it. If you want to contact them.
0: Okay. All right. All right. All right. Thank you.
3: Yep. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
5: Winterfest at the Arch is back this year In the beautiful new Keener Plaza You'll find an ice skating rink, a live blues Watch party, winter market, free hockey clinics And more You can even rent the rink out for your own private party
1: Join Gateway Arch Park Foundation The St. Louis Blues, Jed Limousine And KMOX at Winterfest at the Arch The ice rink is open now through January 1st
5: To get in on all the winter fun Check archwinterfest.com For skate times and events That's archwinterfest.com
1: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: Yes, folks, if you have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. As I said before, you still got plenty of opportunities to... Get those tulips, daffodils, crocus, grape hyacinths, get those bulbs planted. Just make sure that the area that you're going to plant them is very well-drained. That's the worst thing for bulbs is a poorly-drained situation, site, whatever it happens to be. So that is essential. So just to kind of, well, I have heavy-duty clay soil, and I want to have some color here in the springtime, so I'm going to put some bulbs there. The chance of that survival of those bulbs, if you haven't pre-prepared the soil then it's going to be pretty minimal. And everybody tries to blame it on the squirrels, but it's not the squirrels. It's usually bad soil preparation. David lives in Illinois. David, how are you today?
5: I'm well, Mike. How are you? Very good. I've got a couple of concerns about one situation. I have about 150... Hosta plants that I grow in pots outdoors. Mm I'm I'm concerned about it being so dry. I don't and I overwinter them outside. Right. I don't want them to get too wet. And but right now it's awfully, awfully dry. And I they haven't been watered in a while. What should I do? Uh, Number one, as far as the wetness going into the winter, and number two, do you cut the leaves, the dried, the desiccated leaves off the top, or do you? keep them there and wait till next spring to clean them up.
3: You can cut them off if you want to now. They're not doing anything. The advantage of getting rid of them now is in case there's slugs or snails or whatever on the underside of leaf or those type things, that right. you know eradicates the problem. So just don't cut them off and let them drop. Just cut them okay. off and get rid of them. Now, how exactly. long you've been growing them in pots?
5: Oh, I'd say 4 or 5 years. Yeah,
3: so Basically, then they're probably pretty tough. They're, you know, really, uh, they're a durable plant. But I would say if you can, definitely get them watered because, you know, the soil is dehydrated. But like I said, they are really tough. So they can probably handle it because they have that massive root system and they can, you know, make it through these dry spells. But the disadvantage, you know, the disadvantage of not watering is simply there's air pockets in the soil. Then if we get a really horrible cold snap very fast, it, the air, cold air is going to sink into the air pockets in the soil around the root systems, and it could damage the roots. It's not going okay. to kill the hosta more than likely, but it could cause them to, let's say, suffer a little bit.
5: So I wouldn't slightly water? No, I would say...
3: I'm assuming your pots are, you know, if they've survived, have drainage holes. So I would water enough, pour, you know, either with a hose or however you're going to do it, enough till you start to see some water coming out of the drainage holes.
5: Okay, so just a normal watering.
3: Exactly.
5: Gotcha. Appreciate your show, man. Love you so much. (laughs) God bless you. Have a good Christmas and all that. Well, same to
3: you. Thank you very much. And as you know, this is your show. If you weren't there, I would not be here. So let's go to John, and John's on. John, do you live on Highway 44? Wow. (laughs) You're a tough guy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I can get you almost all the way down to Camdenton. I'm (laughs) on the way back from the lake.
3: Wow, great.
2: I got got two questions for you. One about roses and one about grapevines. Okay. Why are rose hips called hips?
3: You know, to be honest with you, I don't know. Because they look like roses are in the apple family, basically. So those oh. why don't they call them rose apples? I don't know
2: <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing um, on the grapevines my vine, I got grapevines growing on white plastic trellis, and the the plastic is getting they're looking ugly uh, during the summer you can, it's green on it during the winter it's black on it right After I prune the vines this winter, is there something some safe way to clean? the uh, trellis without damaging the grapevines?
3: I would say maybe try some vinegar. Vinegar? Yeah, vinegar just, you know, regular white vinegar, you know, with you know some kind of not a sponge, but you know something that kind of sc- could kind of scrape a little bit. Maybe one of those type of sponges that have the the very coarse backside on the oh, sponge. yeah. yeah. Just I don't
2: try, about like I've got some of those yeah
3: yeah okay. just try some vinegar vinegar is a very good cleaner on lots of different things if the vinegar doesn't work then you know just try soap and water but I would okay. try the vinegar first because it's kind of an organic circumstance
2: all right so neither neither that I was thinking about using uh, insecticidal soap <laughs>
3: <laughs> well you could but that's kind of expensive to do. So I would think just regular, like, you know, dishwashing soap and water and either that and or vinegar, you know, alternate, find out which one's going to work the best for you and then choose and just do that.
2: Okay, so neither of those will hurt the the dormant vines.
3: Right, exactly. Neither one at all will hurt.
2: All right, I'll do that.
3: Perfect. Well, good luck with that. Yeah, I have some trellis. I have a trellis, you know, sort of like lattice, Around my air conditioner, and uh, I've—it's plastic. I've had it for several years, and it's starting to look—it's—it used to be white, now it's kind of going kind of gray. So I've—you know—it's about time for me to start trying to clean it. What I did though is originally when I bought it, I always generally buy when I get something like that for the yard, two of everything, so I can just maybe just leave this where it is for a while. And just get rid of it and then put the other one that I have sitting in the garage to replace it. So, yeah, it's a lot of work to, you know, with plastic, wood, or anything. So good luck with that, John. And let's go now to Steve. And Steve is in St. Charles. Hi, Steve.
2: Hello. Hi. I have bushes in my front yard that are pretty, but I don't know their name. And they get a scale on them that looks about like dandruff.
3: Oh yeah, so that's basically that what that is a scale. So next year after Valentine's Day, those little white specks is an insect and you need to spray a dormant oil. This a dormant the, oil. Right, this is a Euonymus. It's probably Manhattan Euonymus actually. So Uh-huh. Greg's showing me actually a picture of it. I guess you sent him a yeah. picture.
1: Yeah. He's, got, he's, got, he's got the picture already. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> so Good.
3: you need to spray the dormant oil. Don't expect the scale to fall off. Okay. Well, you're probably going to spray the dormant oil in February slash up to mid-March, and then in the summertime, go ahead and get a summer weight horticultural oil and spray that again, just to try to get this under control. But I don't know if this leaf that you sent the picture of is typical of how much scale you have on your your, your euonymus. But it's going, it may take a couple years to finally eradicate the whole problem. And also oh, really? look on the underside of leaf because there may be some scale and on the stems as well. So it's it could be in a couple different places. And so when oh, you
2: it is, it is yeah.
3: So when you go, you know, when you get this dormant oil to spray, spray the entire thing. Just don't spray and you know, okay, let's just spray the outside of it because it's you know too much work or whatever. If you want, All if right. you're really serious about it, you're going to have to spray it. stems, leaves, tops, and bottoms.
2: Yes, I, I and I have had some uh, chemicals that I have spent. Not sure what it was that I got from a local big box store, um, and it 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 persists. So it keeps coming back.
3: Right. Because, I mean, the scale, I mean, you could kill 90% of it, but uh-huh. then if, you know, the female's going to lay eggs, and then, you know, there you go uh-huh. back again. So you, uh-huh. you kind of go, oh, I give up. And then uh-huh. you realize, oh, my goodness, this is just getting worse and worse and worse and worse.
2: Right, right. Well, I'll uh, work on it. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> it's already taken some work and it apparently take a lot more
3: yes it will and it's going to be uh, hopefully you know you must love these shrubs because it's going to take a lot of work and you know l- the foliage look pretty good actually so you've been taking care of the plant as well as you could except for this insect mm-hmm.
2: circumstance <laughs> yes they're they're imperative to the front appearance of the front of my house
3: oh gosh yeah.
2: Yes.
3: So just, you know, you're going to have to watch, you know, just kind of sit there until next, you know, let's say Valentine's Day or whatever, and that's when the dormant oil goes on.
2: Uh Uh-huh. Very good. Thank you very much.
3: Certainly. Thanks, Steve. And Mike Miller, KM West Garden Hotline. We will be back after these messages.
1: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks,
3: any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Realize that uh, if you have some landscape chemicals in your garage and it's not heated if they're liquid there could be problems if we do get to the point where there's going to be freezing and i'm sure they will so just keep them up off the floor and put them on shelves and you know try to avoid it and just stop you know you're probably better off not to buy even bargain stuff at the end of the season because overwintering things it could alter them a little bit that's not to say that's going to happen and then also with the dry goods, just make sure that you keep them off the floor as well. So you don't get the condensation because you could end up with a bag of fertilizer that's like hard as a brick. If they're moist if any kind of moisture or anything gets in there as well. So any of your landscape chemicals, just be you know very cautious on how much you buy and how you store them for the wintertime. Let's go to Jenny, and Jenny is in Illinois. Hi, Jenny. Hi. Hi.
0: I would like to know how I can keep my Montever uh, uh, tree and uh, through the winter so it will uh, bloom again in the next year. And and my geranium.
3: Geraniums, you can basically pull them out of a pot and just you know, or you can just leave them in the pot and just put them you know in your basement and leave them alone. Now, what was the other? What was the tree that you were talking about? Mantova. Mant- Mantavilla. Yes. Ah, uh, that's a t- you know that's kind of a tough one. I'd have to think about that one. Mantavilla vine. So they are they don't do really well inside. So this may be one that's you know I don't is yours yellow is yours red as far as flower goes it doesn't matter what color it is it's just these vines when you bring them inside they they don't do well. So just bring it inside, put it in a cool room, put it in full sun, don't overwater it, and just keep your fingers crossed. But for the most part, I've tried even a couple times myself to overwinter them and then put them back outside the next year. I'm always disappointed the following year. That's not to say you're not going to have good luck with it, but the Mantevilla vine doesn't do good you know, coming inside. But give it a try. Like I said, cool room, sunny window, just water it maybe once a month or so, and expect a lot of the leaves to fall off. With a geranium, because they have the big stems, just expect the geranium leaves just to turn brown. But in the springtime, when you set your geraniums back outside, cut all the brown leaves off of them and just kind of water them and treat them as you normally would. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Yeah, the mandevilla, that's, I mean, they're so spectacular. Everybody's really attracted to them. They're almost addictive. But, uh, boy, they're kind of like there's some other plants that don't do so well that are tropical plants when you bring them inside because of humidity and all those other kind of problems. Let's go to Babs. Babs Babs is from Winsville. Hi, Babs. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Uh,
6: could you give me a quick run through on uh, winter, Fertilizer, what your opinion is, is it really that beneficial uh, to do it? And uh, hit on again, would you tell me, when you pre-emergence?
3: Okay, you're talking about winter fertilizer for lawns, cool season lawns, I'm assuming. Correct, correct. You know, if your lawn was healthy and is still healthy, I still think it's just like with anything, you're just kind of making sure that it has the nutrients, you know, just kind of keep it healthy. Okay. So you don't necessarily have to do it. To me, I think, you know, core aeration with a compost layer, you know, a half inch or so would be more crucial than, you know, what the winter fertilizer is. But the winter fertilizer is, you know, it is important. Now, what was your other question? Uh, The pre-emergent. Oh, the pre-emergent. For the warm season weeds... What you need to do is when the forsythia is in bloom, the yellow shrub in the springtime, that's when you put your pre-emergent down.
6: Okay, there's nothing I have to put down
3: now. No, nothing now because there's not anything germinating now. The, okay. all, the, all the cool season weeds already germinated. They germinated back in the end of August and early September. So if you go out in your yard now, you're going to see chickweed, you're going to see henbit, you're going to see was, all kinds of other type things. That was that's, there
6: something I should have put down then?
3: yes. Ah. another pre-emergent, because there's two different types of weeds. There's a warm-season weed and there's a cool-season weed. So just putting a pre-emergent down one time doesn't get rid of either one of them. It doesn't get rid of both of them, let's put it that way. So you should put it down once when the forsythia is in bloom, and then the second application of the pre-emergent, you put when it's mid to late August.
6: August, yeah. Okay, I missed that. All right, thank you. But so you're saying the... Winter fertilizer will eh, help. It could or could
3: not. Yeah, it will help. You know, yeah. especially for anybody. Again, before we start doing too much over or not over, too much fertilizing, just spend thirty bucks and get a soil test done because you may find out that the you know what's in the winter fertilizer you don't need because you already have that nutrient in your soil. So you'd okay. just be saving yourself some money and time and effort. So okay. that's a soil test will give you a real inside insight into what your soil is actually, you know, nutrient level and everything else. All right, got it. Thanks. All right, let's go now to Arnold. Haven't been there all day long, and go into Bob's yard. Hi, Bob.
2: Hello, Mike. Hi. I got some daylilies. lilies are all
0: brown. What? Leave them alone or pull get the brown off?
3: <laughs> well, does the brown bother you?
2: No, it bothers the white. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you cut it off, then just go out there. You know it's a nice warm day. You can just go out there. You can take. It's easy to cut. Just you know. I mean, I wouldn't use a let's say a weed eater or something like that. But just all use right. some. Unless you got a huge area of it, then yes, do it and just you know get rid of it and then rake it all up. Yeah, but it, does, it won't hurt them to tell them back. No, it won't hurt at all, and it doesn't necessarily help with them because they're not prone to, like, a lot of disease and insect problems like peonies are and some of the other perennials. That's why you definitely got to cut those things back because they can have disease problems, you know, leaf spot, black spot, all this other stuff, powdery mildew. But the daylilies are pretty much free, disease-free and insect-free both. So it's not essential with them, but it's, you know, a circumstance where just aesthetically get rid of the brown stuff. Uh,
0: That uh, won't hurt to cut them back then.
3: No, not at all.
0: And I got some of them still turning green on me where it gets in
3: the sun. Yeah, I mean because of this crazy weather we've had, so yeah. it's just been you know amazing. But you can cut all the green. So just, it's the end of their growing season, even if they have some green foliage. So you don't necessarily have to worry about that. Just you can cut them all back. Cut them you uh, know back right. to about a, an inch or so.
2: Okay, I got one more question. I got some port seeds. Is it okay to throw those down now, or wait till?
3: I probably would not do it now because we just don't know what the winter is going to be like. So if it stays warm, they may ger- anything may germinate. But if we get a severe cold snap, newly germinated seed of any type is going to be you know problematic from the standpoint of like oh they just they're not tough enough. So I would not do it going into winter time. All right, thank you a lot, Mike. And now uh, let's see, Anwar, Anwar from Chesterfield, How are you today?
6: Good morning. Hi. Very well, thank you. How are you, sir? Very good. Uh, I have hydrangea in my yard, and it, they were blooming fantastically for several years. Then two years ago, I went in and clipped the, the flowers before the bef, before the winter.
4: Mm-hmm. And
6: the following year, there were no, no flowers, and I was told that I'm, I'm supposed to leave everything untouched until the spring when the new growth is coming in. This year, I... Started getting the flowers like in middle of October, and obviously the first frost just came in and killed it. I have not touched those plants, and I'm just wondering is there anything I need to do this year or just kind of wait and keep my finger crossed for next spring?
3: <laughs> Basically, wait. You know, if you have you do you mulch them at all? I mean, is there mulch around yes, the plant? Okay, so that's pretty much it, and just make sure because it has been really dry. You know that you know as before the weather gets too cold that you go ahead and give them you know some water because that's going to help the root system and that's just going to help the overall health of the plant.
6: Okay and one other question I have a beautiful gardenia and I brought it in, inside mm-hmm. and it, it looks pretty healthy I'm just wondering is uh, facing the Sun um, just wondering just the water it may be once a week you think or even less.
3: Probably less. I would just look at the inside of the pot, when you start to see the potting mix shrink from the inside of the pot so there's a little bit of gap between the potting mix and the inside of the pot, then water it at that time. Gardenias are tough as houseplants. They may survive. Don't expect them to flower. If you do get flowers on them, that's great. That's wonderful. Just enjoy the fragrance. But beyond that, don't do too much. And back to your hydrangea, too. Are you fertilizing it?
6: Um. Yes, I've i been, I mean, really, I've been giving these blue and pink fertilizers. Okay,
3: the, so uh, like aluminum blue. sulfate and stuff. That's good for the flower color, but also just you know, if the leaves look good, right size, dark green and everything else, and you're doing everything just perfect.
6: Okay, so the idea would be to go ahead and make sure that I do have good mulch at the base of it. Because mm-hmm. they are so oversized, perhaps I'm not mulching it properly right. under, underneath the...
3: Yeah, you only need about two to three inches of mulch, so don't make it too deep or anything else.
6: Understood. Thank you very much for your help, and have a good day.
3: Well, you do the very same thing, and for everybody, uh, we got another hour. So if you have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you got a cold-season lawn, keep mowing it. What? Mowing this time of year? Mike Miller, KM West Garden
1: Hotline. See you after the news. The voice of St. Louis. News Radio 1120 KMOX. KMOX HD St. Louis. 102.5 KEZK HD3 St. Louis. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love
3: true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.